Hey, this is Noah Berrigan. I'm the pastor of our college young adults ministry here at Crossroads. And I just wanted to take this moment to welcome you to our podcast. I hope that this message builds your faith and that you continue to stay tuned. How are you guys doing tonight? Come on, welcome to our college young adults ministry. I'm so excited to be with you guys. Again, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Noah, and I'm super stoked to be able to finish a series off with you, and uh, I'm hoping that those of you that came for the first time, you'll be able to follow along. I, I know you will, uh, and if you guys want, you can go on, our, um, uh, on Spotify and follow along with the whole sermon series. It's on there, but really stoked for you guys uh, to be here. Um, what I'd like to do today, I guess I, I, wanna, um, I want to go into a time of prayer because we're about Jesus here, and um, I just want you to know that the Jesus that we believe to be true, that died and rose again uh, for the forgiveness of our sins, he is real, he is personal. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but you came to the right place. Uh, some of you guys might feel uncomfortable because it's your first time at church or feel out of place. I just want you to know, welcome to the club because we're all messed up in here, okay? But we have a God that we serve that isn't, okay? So, Father, uh, I thank you that you meet us in our brokenness. I thank you, God, uh, that there aren't any perfect people. The only perfect one is the one that we serve daily, and that's Jesus, God. And I thank you that in him we have everything we need pertaining to life. I pray for those, God, that are skeptical about faith, God, that today they would see your goodness. I pray, Lord, for um, maybe those that uh, got invited by a friend, God, that they would see that uh, you are real and that you're uh, active in this place, God. But I pray that we're able to really hear what you have and that we'd be challenged by your word and encouraged uh, to be better tomorrow, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. So have you guys ever had a day where like everything seemed to be going wrong. You know, uh, several, several weeks ago, uh, Pastor Sawyer and Pastor Steve and myself, we made our way over to Chipotle, and uh, we love going out there. We go to so many different places to eat, but it was one of those days where it's super windy. You know, the trees are uh, kind of bending all the way over, and it's just, it was crazy, like one of those corona days where you're like, man, uh, hurricane, what the heck's happening here, right? We're not used to it. We kind of live in the desert. Uh, so we're there, we get our food, and uh, we're in the restaurant, and everything's packed. And we looked at each other like, you guys want to sit outside? Yeah, we'll sit outside. So we go out there, and uh, it's kind of cold, so we move the tables out to, like, the sun area. So we're, we're settling down, and we have our food, and before you know it, the wind picks up, and our napkins go everywhere. And then Pastor Steve tries to go in for the save, and he hits his sour cream, and it flies, and it hits this, uh, this, this Mercedes that's parked in the parking lot. It's all over the side of the car. And then I go in to try to help, and my wedding ring flies, and it's like clink, 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 going everywhere, and then Sawyer tries to help out, and we're just a mess, okay? And we're just laughing. At this point, like, what do you do? You know, it's one of those days that um, we just had a bad day, uh, right? Uh, but I know that many of us, we've experienced bad days. Uh, for some of you guys, it might be something a little bit more serious, right? Because you feel like it's one thing after the other. Uh, you go on an interview and you spill coffee all over your shirt. Uh, maybe you're going on a date and it happens that way. Uh, what about this one? You guys are, some of you guys are starting school again and, and you're trying to uh, get all the right classes and it's not what you thought it was going to look like because you didn't get the classes that you needed. 
Uh, what about this? There's, there's those days where, man, you're just like, can I catch a break? I'm lonely. And what about me, Lord? I, 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 I've been doing all the right things, and it just seems that I'm emotionally bankrupt. Or, or maybe your relationships, there's a strain on them, and you feel like there's no hope. And it's like one thing after another after another, and um, all heck breaks loose. Or some of you guys might be in here tonight, and you're experiencing some type of loss, or you're grieving. And you're like, man, can, can, I, can I catch a break? Or you get the bad news, the bad uh, report, uh, whatever that might be for you. And difficult times just come one after another. And, and you're thinking to yourself, like, man, do you see me? Like, God, are you there? Am I the only one that's gone through those moments? Um, so... If we know that all of us have these days and we're going to experience difficulty, how do, we, how do we manage? How do we react when all heck seems to break loose? I know for some of us, we don't do well in these situations. And what do we do? We, we fly off the handle, right? Uh, or you break down crying. Or some of you, you have a tendency that when things don't go your way, what do you do? You shut down and push everyone away because it's safer, Right? Um, some of you guys have seen you do this. Uh, you plaster social media because you want everyone to know that you're having a bad day. Right? But how, how can you and I, in the midst of everything that's thrown our way, in the midst of our difficult times, how can we thrive and react in ways that are God-honoring, in ways that uh, don't shake us? Tonight, we're going to unpack how you and I could thrive in times of difficulty. You know, we've been in a series called Religion. Uh, we've been going through the book of James, and James has a heart for the church, for his people, and he begins to write people that are going through some difficult times. I mean, they've been taken from their homes. They've been uh, watching their friends die in front of them, and they're dispersed throughout their known area, and, and they're going through hard times. And, and he's encouraging them to stay true to the Lord because it's possible. And he's, and he's really, at his old age, begins to write all these people. And, and keep this in mind, James, he didn't have faith at one point in his life. James was the half-brother of Jesus. So during his entire life on the earth, when him and Jesus were together, he didn't believe in him. He saw all the miracles. He saw everything that was happening. Something happened after the resurrection, though. After he saw his older brother get crucified and rise again, he has this encounter with him that changes his life forever. So much so that he calls himself a bondservant of the Lord. His own brother. I mean, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? But something happened. And he writes, and he's, he's telling Christians that um, if you say you call yourself a believer, then allow your faith to show up. We, we want to see authentic faith, that it should show up. It should change your Monday through Saturday. And he, and he begins to write, and, um, and he has this, this conviction of telling and calling God's people to action. Because he experienced something with Jesus that every single one of us could experience. And he was saved, and he was transformed. Why is it important that we understand that he wrote to Christians? Because if you're a Christ follower in here, the things he talks about should be real in our life. 
He's saying that we should be living them out. If you haven't given your life to Jesus and you're, you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, you could sit back tonight and just listen and maybe get a peek at what it means to truly be a Christ follower. Because James, he shoots straight with us. And he tells us to stand firm in the Lord, and it took him five chapters to get to the point. So tonight, we're going to unpack how you and I could respond in times that are difficult, where we, we feel like nothing is going our way. And look at what James says. This is going to lead me to the first point, because he gives us, I'm going to cover the entire, well, the majority of James chapter 5 tonight. We're going to get through it. I believe it's going to be helpful for us. And, um, and he starts off, and this is my first point, in times of difficulty, you and I, number one, we need to be patient. Huh, welcome to church tonight. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah, that's life-giving. Look at what he says. He says, in James chapter 5, we're going to pick up right at verse 7, because in the beginning he talks about how as believers we should really be managing our finances well. I'm going to save that for a whole different sermon. Uh, but, but he goes right to the point. Uh, based on what happened in chapter, um, chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, everything he's talked about, he says, therefore. Now, whenever you go to the Bible and there's a therefore in a passage, it's always there for a reason. It's addressing everything that happened prior to this section. So he says, therefore. Look to your neighbor and say, therefore. Okay. He says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until he gets the early and the late rains. You too, be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. And this idea of patience is the strength to not retaliate with a wrong. So he's saying, have that type of patience that you won't react, but you would be responsive in a way that is God-honoring. So he says, be patient. How are we doing with that? When it comes to the idea of patience, how, how I mean, we live in a time right now where we have everything thrown at us, and it comes uh, in so many different ways, and it comes really fast. I mean, we got Siri now. Uh, for my alarm, all I got to do is walk in my room and say, hey, Google, uh, wake me up at 545. Got it. Setting an alarm for 545, right? We have everything at the tip of our fingers, and it's quick, and it's fast, and it's convenient, right? We got Amazon Prime, Uber Eats. I mean, we could do whatever now, and it's like, man, we, we have it at the tip of our fingers. And in our culture today, nothing programs us or teaches us how to develop this virtue of patience. It's so hard. Why? Because we want everything right away. So what happens? When we go and try to spend time in prayer, we're like, well, that didn't work. I'll do it myself. Because we haven't learned what it means to be patient and, and wait. And uh, waiting, it's, it's hard work. And it could test our faith. And it could tempt us to be discouraged, to worry, and to question whether or not God is for us. Why? Because we're in an impatient society. Now, i got to be honest. I don't do well with a patient waiting game. I get, I get frustrated, right? Uh, if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're dating, um, there was a song written. It's called Waiting on a Woman. Only the dudes are laughing. And, uh, and I, I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't do well with patience. 
And, um, and I know that when, when, you, when it comes to this, it's not natural for us to be patient. This is why uh, Scripture tells us it's, it's actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Patience is developed as I'm close to Jesus. You know? Now, let me encourage you guys tonight. If you struggle with patience, don't pray that God gives you patience. Okay? Uh, last year, we were on our way to a conference, and uh, we were with our uh, senior executive pastor, and um, no joke, we were, were going to get a rental car, and he goes, hey, let's pray for our trip. So he's praying, and he prays this prayer. I mean, it's like pretty long, and then he says, and God, just give us patience. And I like open my eye, and I look at him, and I'm like, did you really just pray for patience? No joke. Over an hour later, we get our rental car, and then we go to pick up one of his friends, and they're late. And then everything leading up to us going gave us an opportunity to be patient. Why? Because God answered our prayer and gave us an opportunity to be patient. So moral of the story, don't pray for patience. I'm like, Lord, give me strength. Don't pray for patience for me, please, right? Uh, and, then, and then James goes on and he uses, he uses two different illustrations. The first one, he says, he says, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. In other words, James is saying, guys, be like the farmer. What? A farmer needs patience to wait until nature does its work. Why? Because the precious is so, uh, the, the, uh, the produce is so precious that it's worth waiting for. Now for us, we don't farm. I mean, some of us might, but for the majority of us, I mean, unless you live in Norco, you might do that, right? Um, but a lot of us, we don't, we're, not, we're not farmers. And James is speaking to uh, a group of people that would have understood exactly what he was talking about. Because when uh, it comes to this idea of the early and late rains in their culture, it always occurred in a context of affirming the faithfulness of God. And they knew. They, they didn't have an app like we do to know if it was going to rain tomorrow or what the weather was going to look like. You know, they had to actually wait on the Lord to bring the rain after they harvested a crop. And they would have to wait in faith that God was going to do something supernatural with their work and their labor. And he says, so wait for the precious produce. Now I want you to think about something. Do you think that a farmer goes and plants his crops and then tries to dig them up to see if something's working? No, he, he never does that. You know what he does? He's busy at work cultivating, weeding, watering, uh, knowing and expecting that something's happening in the unseen world. And, and he's never stagnant, even though he can't see anything. You see, oftentimes in our lives, when it seems like God's not working and things aren't happening, things, uh, we, we need to be reminded that everything is happening behind the scenes. You just can't see it. And, and God is at work in our lives, regardless if we feel it or see it or not. Because he is faithful. And, and, and James uses this incredible analogy. He says, it is worth the wait. And I think that in our culture, we're so consumed about getting to a destination. We're so consumed about what tomorrow is going to bring. And, and James is saying, whoa, whoa, hold on. Difficult times are going to come. And, and don't try to wait until you arrive. Because could it be that James understood something that a lot of us didn't? 
that God does his best work in the in-between? That these are the moments that he's actually developing things like character inside of us? Because I don't know that life is about the destination. I think that life is about the journey. Because God is with us in the in-between. God is with us on this journey. And James is saying, just like that farmer, be assured that God's working in the background. Things might not seem like they're going well. You might be facing difficult times. But you know what? I'm going to use this for my glory. And I'm going to produce character in you. And you're going to come out better on the other side. And some of us were like, wait, God, I'm, I'm praying and nothing's happening. And the in-between is an opportunity for you and I to be patient and exercise patient and connect with a God who loves you passionately. But we're not programmed to do that. Why? Because we want to serve ourselves and we want to take matters into our own hands. And he's saying, when things get hard, be patient. Why? Because that's where your faith will grow. And unfortunately, guys, a lot of us want to grow in our faith, but sometimes... The majority of the time, it doesn't come outside of testing and difficult times because those are the moments that God becomes even more real to you and to me, where he's developing character, where he's making himself known. And although we can't see it or we can't sense it, James is saying God is at work, so be patient. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of what things not seen. That's what faith is all about, that it grows in the unseen. Because we have this solid hope that Jesus is working. And then he says, he says, uh, remember that all of this, we're, we're going to go on right now, that all of this is, is, is temporary. And in the midst of your difficult circumstances, you need to be patient. This leads me to my second point. In the midst of difficulty, number two, uh, don't complain. Huh. Isn't that our first go-to? Oh, shoot, I got a flat tire. And then you blurt something out. Right? James 5, 8 says, you too, be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. This is vital. Why? James is saying, Jesus is coming back. All this stuff here, that like the, the petty conflicts like we talked about last week and, and the things that are consuming you, focus on the fact that it's all temporary. And that Jesus is coming back. And then he says, here's the key word, don't complain, brothers and sisters, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. You know, at CYA and at the church, at Crossroads, I'm hoping that we're a big family. That's what God's called us to be. You know, and I think it's interesting that, that James is speaking to a family and saying, hey, don't complain against one another. Because isn't it interesting how we get a, uh, when we get upset, we tend to take it out on those closest to us and treat them like dirt? The people that we love the most, we take it out on them. And what, uh, what's heartbreaking is that we treat them worse than we would treat a stranger. And James is saying, y'all family. Be, be patient with one another because God is patient with you. And that should be a perspective shift, right? And um, you want to know how we're not, you, you want to know when we're not patient? And when we begin to complain, here, here, are some, here are some practical things, right? If you have a short fuse, <laughs> that means you're not patient. 
if you're easily frustrated with other stupid drivers, <laughs> you're not patient. If you're quick to find fault in other people's imperfection, imperfections, I mean, you're, you're not patient. Now, if you fly off the handle over childish things, it means that you're not patient. And he's saying, be patient, don't complain. Now, could it be that he was picking up to, uh, on something that Paul said? That when we're not patient, we're not loving. Why? Because love is patient. And he's trying to let us know that we need to be more loving towards one another. And show grace towards one another. And he says, huh, and, and he warns us. He says, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Wait, he's warning us that if we complain against one another, we're going to be held in judgment. That Jesus knows everything we're saying and everything we're doing. And when he comes back, he's going to put everything in order. You know, I remember growing up, man, there was a, um, how many of you guys had these things called chores? Some of you guys, not everyone, man. I see that some people don't even have those today. Uh, but uh, we had these, this thing called chores growing up. Uh, and uh, and um, I remember I would do the dishes like every other day or something. And one day I go to the sink and some of the dishes are washed, but there's like food all over them still. And I'm like, who the heck washed these? And my aunt's right there. I'm like, who did that? These people don't know how to wash the dishes. Look at, they're all dirty. And she goes, oh, your sister-in-law did that. I'm like, well, she doesn't know how to do the dishes. And all of a sudden, I feel like these, these eyes burning a hole in the back of my head. And I'm washing dishes, and I turn around, and my sister-in-law standing right there. And she caught me in the conversation. And I just continued washing dishes. You know, James is saying... That God sees everything. And that he's standing right at the door. And that we should be more concerned about that than anything else. So don't complain because he sees you. And when he comes back, he'll put everything in order. So we need to be diligent about making sure we're in order before he comes back. Now, let me truly, truly put something out there. I'm not talking about a, a, a saved by works salvation at all. He's talking to Christians, remember that. But he's talking about our character and that we should be aware that Jesus is coming back and that he's actually standing right at the door and he sees everything that's going on. So he says, be patient. Don't complain. Then point number three, he tells us, don't give up. When life gets hard, don't give up. And then he gives us two examples. Verse 10, he says, as an example, brethren, of, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He goes, remember the prophets, the holy rollers, those that you guys all look up to, the people that you read about all of the time, uh, uh, the, the people right, right, right in the Bible, they were spokesmen for God, and they did a lot of incredible things, and we saw miracles. He goes, look at their example. And, um, and I want you to think about this, because these were some of the holiest men. But yet, they went through trials like everyone else. And they took heat. I mean, they stood up for truth, and they spoke truth when it was not popular. Guys, would you agree that we're living in that time today? That no one wants to hear truth anymore? That people should just live like they want to because they feel good about it? And we fall into this category where we're afraid to speak truth. Why? Because we're afraid of hurting people's feelings. 
And speaking truth is the most loving thing anyone could ever do. And he steps in. Um, you can clap for that. Um, because they spoke of God's faithfulness in the midst of their trials. And I want you to think about something. If they went through trials, we're going to go through them. I mean, do you think Jesus had a bad day? Yeah, think of the night that he was crucified. That was a pretty bad night. You know, if he went through it, man, we're, we're going to go through stuff. So he says, consider the prophets. Let me name two of them. If I get to more, I'll get to more. But think about Isaiah. This guy in Isaiah, uh, in, in the first chapters of Isaiah, we see that this guy was taken into heaven. He got this vision and he saw the glory of the Lord so much so that he, he stood back. He goes, man, I'm a sinful man. I can't be in your presence. And, and it was just this powerful moment. And he overhears the conversation happen, happening with the Lord. There's this need on the earth for people to step out and be faithful and make a difference and, and bring truth into the land. And God's like, who am I going to send? And Isaiah's like, here I am, God. Send me. I'll go. This is too good. I've seen too much to stay stagnant. I've seen too much to not be compelled to share what I just saw with people. I'm in. Like many of you guys, when you got saved and you realized that he brought you out of your dirt and your hurt and your pain, it's like this is too good to be true. I need to tell everyone else about this Jesus. So Isaiah has this moment. And it wasn't what he thought. Because wouldn't you agree a lot of us come to faith and we think that God's going to take out this magic wand and make everything easy for us. It's not how it works. In fact, oftentimes it gets harder when you're walking in the faith. You know? And that, that, those times are, are, are usually the times that you're dead center of God's will. And Isaiah, he hears from God. And look at one of the callings, one of the many callings that was placed on his life. In Isaiah chapter 20 verse 4. It says, the Lord told Isaiah, son of Amos, take off your burlap and have, uh, that you have been wearing and remove your sandals. And Isaiah did as he was told and walked around naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, my servant Isaiah has been walking around naked and barefoot for the last three years. And then he says, this is a sign. A symbol of the terrible troubles I will bring upon Egypt and Ethiopia. For the king of Assyria will take away the Egyptian and the Ethiopians as prisoners. He will make them walk naked and barefoot, both young and old. Their buttocks bared to, shame, uh, to the shame of Egypt. Now, I want you to think about the moment that Isaiah might have had with the Lord. Okay? You hear from God, hey guys, um, you know what? I want you to take all your clothes off and walk around the community naked. And I want you to do it for three years. What? I would have been like, wait, wait, am I hearing you correctly, Lord? I didn't sign up for that. You know, but he's like, I got a message for my people. I mean, it's hard enough. We, we can't even get people to invite people to church. Let alone like, hey, go, go walk around naked. And Isaiah was like, what? And he did it. And he was faithful. And God brought judgment, just like he said, because he's always faithful to his word. Do you think that was a difficult time for him? Yeah, pretty hard. I don't know about you, but I don't want that calling. I just don't. You guys don't want us to have that calling, okay? Different message. Okay, let's think about Jeremiah. A guy who was faithful to God. Man, you read the pages of Scripture, and, and, and he's like, I found your word, and I ate it, and it's like consuming me, and I, 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 I can't hold it in. Yet he was known as the weeping prophet. God told him, go speak to the nation of Israel, and guess what? No one's going to listen to you. 
but you do it anyways and be faithful to me. Wait, what? Go and talk to a generation that has deaf ears. None of them are going to listen, but you be faithful to me. And, I, uh, and Jeremiah gets mad. He says, and Lord, even if I say I can't talk about you, it's like burning up within me. I have no choice. I got to talk about you. And, um, and he was considered the weeping prophet. He was beaten. He was placed in stocks and thrown in a cistern. Yet in the midst of all of that, he trusted the Lord. In Jeremiah 38, verse 6, it says, Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchijah, the, the king's son, which was in the court of the guardhouse. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. Now, in the cistern, there was no water but only mud. And Jeremiah sank into the mud. You think that was a difficult day for him? Yet he was a prophet for the Lord. And he was used by God in mighty ways. And then he goes on, and he goes, think about this guy. If that wasn't enough, you saw the prophets. Let's talk about this guy named Job. Some of you guys open up your screens, or uh, you open up your Bibles, and you might have thought it said Job. It's actually Job. Okay? And uh, in, in verse 11, he said, we count those blessed who endured. Wait, that was blessed? They went through stuff. But yet we count, and the key word is endured. They endured through all of it. You have heard of the endurance of Job? And have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion. And he is merciful. And this idea of endurance is this, this confident spirit that could get through doubt, through sorrow and disaster with a stronger faith on the other side. Now Job, he lost his entire family and possessions and was struck with this crazy illness. You think he questioned God? You think there was moments in his life? Absolutely. You know, but he didn't sit there and complain. He remained faithful to the Lord. Look at what Job 2 verse 7 says. It says, Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sores and boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took, and he took a stone to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. And look at this. It says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. You, uh, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. In other words, it says he didn't complain. He didn't, he didn't complain to others. In your faith, you're going to be tested by those around you. When things are going hard, people, you're going to be proclaiming the faithfulness of God. They're going to say, your God is faithful? Look at what you're going through. How is that God faithful? Have you seen what our family's going through? And you're still proclaiming the faithfulness of the Lord? And his own wife told him, like, why don't you curse God and die? That faithful God that you're serving. He questioned his friends. He questioned his family. I believe that he resented what was happening to him. I believe he questioned whether or not God saw him or not. And through the whole thing, he was heartbroken, but he never lost his faith in God. He might have had moments like, do you see what's happening? I mean, he lost his entire family in one day. Talk about a difficult day. But then the Lord honored him and multiplied the blessings afterwards. So much so that he said these words, though he slay me, still I will praise him. 
It doesn't matter what this earthly life looks like. I know that my God is good, and what's happening to me right now might not be making sense, but I know that, that, that there's a God out there who's full of mercy and compassion, and I will serve him in the good and in the bad because I've seen his faithfulness throughout my life. And James refers back to the Old Testament and the prophets and Job. This is why I get so passionate about making sure that every single person who calls themselves a Christ follower to get in the word of God, to open up the pages of scripture. Why? Because in Romans chapter 15, it says, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement, uh, through the, um, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Notice how it's through the scriptures that we find our hope? Because we realize we're not alone. Because we realize that everything was written for our instruction. Because there will be moments where we have difficult times and we're going to feel as if God has forgotten about us. But the scriptures are there to help us. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament actually says, if you're a true believer, you will remain in the word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because there's going to be moments in our lives that our emotions get the best of us. And we got to counteract our emotions with truth. And his word is the only truth that exists. It stands alone to being the truth. And Jesus said, if you're a Christ follower, if you're claiming to be a follower, then remain in my word. Now, he's not talking about works. He's saying that there's a result in your life of being a Christ follower that you're going to have a hunger to be in his word. In fact, when we went to the Philippines, it was kind of way out for me, but there, it was a no-brainer for me. Uh, one of the things that they had asked us about, they're like, what do you need prayer for? And I said, you know what, I want people to be passionate about being in God's Word. And they looked at me, they're like, what, people don't read their Bibles? I'm like, not a lot of them. He goes, are they even Christians? They didn't see the separation. Because they knew that as believers there's this discipline to have this hunger, not to just be in the word, but to encounter the author who wrote it on a regular basis because that's our hope. And the only way to true life, the only way we can react during difficult times is if we have the hope of the gospel, who is Jesus himself. And everything written in the scriptures points us to Jesus, our hope, and our life. So James says, be patient, don't complain, and don't give up. Leads me to point number four. During difficult times, point number four, you need to increase your integrity. Look at what it says. Uh, integrity simply means that we would maintain an undivided life. That we wouldn't be wishy-washy when hard times come. That we would remain faithful and true to the Lord. He says, have integrity. Because those are the moments that you're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. Those are the moments that you're going to be tempted to make the phone call. Those are the moments that you're going to be tempted to go out and binge drink. Those are the moments that you're going to be tempted because you're going through hard times in your relationship to go and get that booty call. Those are the moments, yes, I said that in church, okay? Uh, those, those are the moments that your faith will be tested. But a faith that isn't tested isn't a faith at all. You know, and, and James says, increase your integrity. Look at, he says, above all. Verse 12, above everything, everything that I just talked to you about from chapter 1 all the way through now, above everything, my brethren, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no is to be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. He says, don't swear. Now, he's not talking about cussing. A lot of us feel that Christianity is about like, oh, I, 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 I shouldn't be cussing. No, he's... It's so much more than that. 
It's not about behavior modification. It's about a God who loves us and transforms us from the inside out. But he says, don't make any oaths. In other words, have integrity and do what you say you're going to do. What he's really saying, in the midst of it, be a person of your word. And we need to have integrity. In fact, some of the people that have inspired me most in my life are leaders that walk in integrity. That they're the same everywhere they go, regardless of what's going on in their life. You know, one of my mentors, Pastor Chuck, our senior pastor, that guy is the same everywhere he goes. And it's inspiring. Uh, I have uh, a professor from, uh, from school. His name's Dr. Grana. That guy is one of the top theologians in the nation, but he walks in humility. And it's inspired me to see that it's possible. Why? Because he walks in integrity. And we're living in a time right now where um, I think this generation likes to keep their options open. Right? Because you say you're going to be somewhere and you're not there. Or you commit to something, but yet you can't hold true to your word. Right? Or how about this? I'll say yes to that, but if something better comes up, then I'm going to cancel and go to that instead. Right? And if it's cooler, then I'm going to reschedule every single time, yet the person that you scheduled with is sitting there waiting. And you just told them that you're more important than them. That's not Christianity. Why? And James is saying we should have a reputation of being people in our, of our word. Meaning, meaning that, that Joe should live his life in such a way that I know that when he says he's going to do something, I don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to show up. Why? Because he has that type of character. And if something needs to happen, I just know it's going to happen. Why? Oh, it's Joe. I don't got to question whether or not he's going to be there. I can count on him. You know? And, and we're living in a generation where that's not true about us. And, uh, and, and James is saying, you represent Jesus now. And, uh, and do what you say you're going to do so that you value people passionately. Why? Because it's about relationship. Because when you and I begin to be wishy-washy, people are going to begin to wonder if God's like that or not. Why? Because you're representing Jesus. And you're a Christ follower. And James says, be consistent with your lifestyle. And do what you're going to say. All that means, your yes be yes and your no be no, is that we would be people of our words. Why? Because that's a worship issue. A lot of us think that worship is only about coming in here and singing hallelujah and raising our hands. That's amazing. I love that we have a church and the best, in my opinion, the best team to be able to lead us into a time of worship. But James, golf clap. Okay, come on. James, uh, James was fed up. He goes, I love that you come in here and you raise your hands and you mark your Bibles, but you're not nice to people. You're, you're mis, mistreating people. You know, how about work? You guys are late every single day. He said, that's a worship issue. You're late to school. You're late everywhere you go. And, and he's saying, no, 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 that, that, that's your life of worship right there. That's a worship issue. A lot of us don't look at it that way, though, right? Oh, no, we're just late. No, James is saying it's so much deeper than that. You're a Christ follower now. And you need to walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. And James has this conviction. Why? Because we need to be a light in a dark world. But we're not faithful in the little things. And God's calling us to be faithful in all areas of our life. Right? And then he goes on. And he goes on and, and he talks about worship. 
He goes, in, in the midst of your difficulty, look, look at what he says. Verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? Am I the only one? You should pray. Thanks for the encouragement, James. Okay. Are any of you happy? Sweet. Then sing praises. He's saying, sing praises. Be thankful to the God who created you. Right? Are, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Will, will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Huh. No sinners in here, right? He's saying, if you're sick, call the elders. Whether that's emotionally, mentally, and looking at this word for sick, it also talks about if you're weary and tired because of the difficulties that you're going through. In other words, what James is saying is get the church around you. Get people around you to pray over you. And what you're going to realize is that this big church becomes really small right away. And what you're going to learn is that there's other people going through things just like you are, and you're not alone. But Satan wants to keep you quiet, doesn't want you to talk about what you're going through. He wants you to think you're the only one going through what you're going through. And I'm learning right now in my own walk that the most powerful thing that anyone could ever do is to be present with people in their difficult times and their times of hurting. And see, uh, my desire for this church is that we would be the type of people that showed up and were engaged and involved in people's difficulties. That we would be the type of church that was there for one another. That when things get hard, you're like, hey, you know what? I know that Jesus is giving you authority. I need your authority. I need you to pray over me because it's hard right now. You know, uh, Paul said that, that God's strength is perfected in our weakness. And it's okay to boast about those weaknesses. But we want to shut up about our weaknesses. Why? Because it makes us seem smaller. But last I heard, John said that we need a decrease so that he could increase. Right? And, and he's sharing that we need to have people around us. And I know that when friends and family and people are going through stuff, it's not always at a convenient time. And you're like, man, it's such an inconvenience. I got the schedule that I got to stick to. And James is saying, no, be the type of church that shows up. Because the most powerful thing you can do is welcome an interruption into your life. And be there for people. Because it's never convenient when you have friends going through hard times. Ever. But we need to welcome the inconvenience. And what you're going to realize is that you're not alone in whatever it is that you're going through. Amen. And guys, I'm... I want to be sensitive with how I say this, okay, because um, I think it's awesome that we have social media and we're able to send a text message out and when someone goes through something, hey, praying for you. But what if we were the type of people that just showed up instead, like old school days, and we knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm here for you. Let me pray with you. Because when you're present with people, that's the best thing you can do. And I'll tell you this right now, people don't need to be fixed in those moments. You don't need to be a theologian or pull out your Bible and say, this is what God's word says. No, you just be with them. And be a friend and put your arm around them. And say, this is a sucky season. I'm going to walk with you. Why? Because we're not alone and God's called us to do that. And in those moments, people don't need to be fixed. They need to be loved. 
Amen. Um, then he goes on, and um, for the sake of time, I'm going to read this passage, and then I'll get to my final point. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed. When you and I, this is a, this is a practice that I believe has been neglected in the church where we are too scared to admit our wrongs to confess our sins but look at the power right here james says when you confess you find healing now you confess to the lord you'll find forgiveness but when you confess to each other there's healing that takes place right and i'm not telling you to broadcast your life for everyone find that group of people that you can be real with and i'm hoping that everyone in this church uh, has found a place to be real amen um, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I think that's my cue to hurry up. Um, Elijah was a human, was just as human as we are. He goes on to another prophet, and he says, And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then he prayed again. The sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield his crops. He's saying, look, I want you to look at Elijah, a holy person that you guys all look up to. He prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and it rained. But you know what? That guy was just like all of us. That's what James is saying. He had the same nature that we did. And you know, you have to have that same type of confidence and faith in the Lord that he answers your prayer just like he did Elijah. Because if you're, if you're a Christian in here, that means you're the child of a most high God who loves you and gave everything for you. And you have full access in prayer to the God of the universe. So pray with expectation. That's what he's saying. Amen. So he says, be patient. Don't complain. Don't give up. Increase your integrity. And here's the last one. And it's a short one, I promise. He says, don't walk away. Point number five, don't walk away. When things get hard and you and I get tempted to walk away from the faith, he said, don't do it. Because then you're going to let Satan win. And he's going to put you on a shelf and you're not going to be effective for anyone anymore. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save the person from death and bring about forgiveness and cover a multitude of sins. Now, I want you to note this truth. Because he's saying that some can and do wander away. But his optimism, optimism tells me that they could be rescued. That you and I have a God-given responsibility to go after those that have left the community. Because we're a family. That when people get hurt by the church or you get hurt by the church, don't walk away, lean in. But that we need to go after those that have walked away from the faith. And that we need to be, we need to be actively engaging them. But oftentimes, instead of going after them, we write them off. But he says, go find them, because you will cover a multitude of sins. And notice how it says that you would cover, not expose. In other words, you would walk up to him and say, hey, Jacqueline, we love you. And you're forgiven. I know that it's been hard, but we need you back in the church, because we love you that much. And James is showcasing the heart of a father that's always waiting with open arms to whoever would either return to him or come for the very first time. 
And he's concluding, he says, this is the point of my entire letter, that difficult times are going to happen. But you and I need to weather those storms. You and I need to have the confidence to remain faithful regardless of what's thrown our way. Because you and I can and will if we're close to Jesus. Because remember, he said, it starts with receiving the word of truth and planted that could save our souls. Because when you receive, you could respond. But a lot of us do it backwards. We want to do and, and we want to have all of this behavior modification without first receiving. And we find ourselves deflated and defeated. Why? Because we're trying it our own, on our own strength. And James, James is saying, no, 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 no. I, I tried that already. I did the religion thing. I saw my brother do all of these things, but it wasn't until after the resurrection that something happened in my heart, and I was able to receive him for who he was. He was my Lord. He was my Savior, my own brother. I'm going to bow down to him because he was the Savior of the world. And it's not, uh, not, it has nothing to do with behavior modification. It has everything to do with this authentic faith that changes you from the inside out. Instead of going, 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 trying harder, James says, no, 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 no. Be patient. Wait, because God is working and he will work. And allow your entire life to be a response to what God's already done for you and in you. Because you're going to see the best results when you're just responsive to who he already is in you. And he's saying that this is open to anyone that would come to him. And if you've ever doubted, James doubted. And God uses a man that rejected Jesus his entire life and ministry on the earth. And he changes him and transforms him. And he becomes one of the greatest influencers of his known time. Because something happened. And I know that for a lot of us uh, tonight, maybe a lot of us has been playing the church game and just showing up and haven't really encountered the Jesus of the Bible. Because you could have come to church all day long that does not make you a Christian. Knowing Jesus is what makes you a Christian. Falling under his authority is what makes us authentic believers. Am I saying we're perfect? Absolutely not. But we serve a perfect God that is worthy of all of our praise. Maybe you're in here and you've never, ever opened up your heart and given your life to Jesus at all. And you're here for the first time. The God of the universe is for you and loves you and desires you to live a phenomenal life with him. I don't know where you find yourself in your faith. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized by your own choice because it was a decision that you chose to do. Tonight, Jesus is calling you to take that step of obedience and experience him in a real way through baptism. Some of us might have been baptized as babies uh, someone made that decision for you. And he's saying, no, no, no. Now that you're older, you need to make it for yourself. That you would be fully immersed and baptized. So I don't know where you find yourself in your faith. Maybe you've been shaken up because a trial and a hard time came to you. And you've fallen away because of it. Tonight, I'm going to encourage you to come back. And allow, to God, allow God to meet you in your brokenness. And in your hurt and your pain. And I just want you to know that if you're hurting, God sees you and he loves you. He knows everything you're going through. He knows you by name. And I think he's heartbroken that you're trying to do this on your own. In reality, I don't know how people do this on their own without the Lord. Because life could be overwhelming. And Jesus is saying, I want to be there for you and with you. 
So in a moment, what I want to do is I want to just open up this time for us to go to God in prayer. And if you're not in a relationship with Jesus or you're far from him, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and come back to him. Or maybe if you want to get baptized, this moment's for you as well right now. So let me go to God in prayer. Lord, I just pray for everyone in here, God. I, you know who's in the room. You know everybody by name. And I think, I think the, the thing that, 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 that overwhelms me at times is that um, there are things that we do that dishonor you. But you love us. You know every single sin that's ever been committed, and you love us. You know everyone's hurt in the building, and you break over them and over us. And it's overwhelming to think that the God of the universe, that you, you're that intentional with us, that you're kind and compassionate and you're good. And I pray for those that are in here tonight that have never really experienced that side of you or have been skeptical or have been closed off because they felt that everything that was going on in their life was you sitting up in heaven with this lightning bolt trying to make their life harder. I pray, God, that they would change their perspective tonight and they would realize that you love them and that you're for them and that you're trying to grab them by the hand and walk through this life with them. Jesus, I pray that you would do a work in people's hearts that only you can do. Right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with Jesus, do me a favor. Pray for those around you. But tonight, if you don't know Jesus, or if you want to get back, if you want to come back to him, or if you want to get baptized by your own choice, could you do me a favor? Could you just raise your hand right where you're at and let me know that you're praying with me? I want to know who's praying with me. Praise God for you in the back. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand right where you're at. Praise God for you right here, and for you right here, and for you over there. Just raise your hand right where you Praise God for you in the front, and you right here all over the building. Praise God for you over there and you right here. Just right where you're at. Raise your hand, guys. I'm going to give it a few more moments. If you've never been baptized by your own choice, if you want to come back to Jesus, pray, uh, to Jesus uh, praise God for you two over there in the back. Just raise your hand. All over the building, guys, what I'd like to do, CYA, do me a favor. Let's let them know they're not alone. Before we go into a time of prayer with them, let's just give them a round of applause for raising their hand. Right now, what I'd like us to do as a church family, I'd like for us to pray this prayer of dedication together. But will you do me a favor? Let's pray it out loud and bold. Can we do that? Let's repeat these, uh, these words after me. Say, Father God, I know that you love me. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for me to forgive me of all of my sin and to heal me of all of my hurt right now I say yes to you I ask that you fill me with your love and that you fill me with your Holy Spirit I give you my life and I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ amen let's praise God for all the decisions